Welcome to the Don't Let That Go Over Your Head podcast. Starring Cue the Boss. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Let That Go Over Your Head podcast. I am Cue the Boss. And today, we got another special episode. You know, um, we had a great co- uh, conversation last time we were here. So... I decided to bring him back because it made sense and the conversation was actually good, right? So, humbly, I say this again. No need for inter- uh, no, no inter- the, Let me just give you a, a round of applause. And um, let me let him introduce himself, guys. Yo, pleasure, pleasure, Kings. Bill Doom, Rashawn Banjo here. Thank you so much, Q, for allowing me to come back and be welcome into your platform again. This is always a warm and humble place. Um, but first, I kind of want to start off with, you know, giving you your flowers, King. I appreciate you know, it. I, we had a conversation earlier and we were talking about, you know, when we do this work and around and trying to enlighten our communities, you know, a lot of times people don't see the energy and, and what goes on behind it, right? A lot yes. of times we kind of call crazy, we're called too enthusiastic. Um, but I, 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 not only do I relate to your energy, I match it. And I just want you to say that you got to get your flowers. I now, appreciate man. it. So if you don't allow me. Oh, that's for me. Yeah, look. Look. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's so deep. Real flowers, real flowers. Look, he gave me some real flowers, guys. All right. Yo, listen. I'm not going to take it easy on you, though, just because you gave me flowers today. (laughs) (laughs) I don't expect you to. But today's topic, guys, look, let me just say thank you to your beautiful daughter, because I know she picked them out, right? Of course. So, um, guys, I appreciate that. I don't even know what to say. I'm a little choked up. But, um... Today is the importance of role models. Today we're talking about what is the importance of having role models. And it's a perfect topic because me and my guy, we talk about these things all the time. And we talk about trying to be more mentor, doing more mentorship in the communities, right? And uh, being more examples in the community. And this guy right here is a great example of what a man looks like to me. And today we were actually talking about not lowering the standard of what a man is opposed to just being an example of what it is. And whoever don't fit that criteria just don't fit it. But I want to ask you a question. Like, what do you think is really the importance of having role models? So, uh, to, you know, to answer that question, I kind of got to go back. I got to go back to the south side of Queens, Far Rockaway, Sixth Borough, Alcatraz, whichever way you want to call it. Okay. And that, that had a lot to do with my upbringing. Okay. Because that was a community that, you know, somewhat geographically isolated, but had a lot of great, great people, had a lot of great energies, had a lot of great mentors and adults that were part of the community that wanted you to do better and wanted you to, you know, aspire to be more. So I'm, I'm coming from that. Um, I'm, I also want to be a part of what that looks like for the future generation. So um, I want to continue to be a part of that. And I want that to be part of my legacy. Thank you. Well, I'm asking you a question. So why, why do you think that more people are not, like, especially, you know, being that we're, 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 we're quote on becoming on, we're stepping into the OG realm now, right? Right, right. Where we're starting to look at it as the older guys. So what do you think the reason is why most young guys and older guys have such a disconnect when it comes to us uh, pretty much uh, allowing ourselves, uh, sharing sharing uh, growth and development amongst each other? What do you think is the reason? I think it's black males, the way we can say it, because there's so few opportunities to talk about black success. You know, I know from your upbringing and my upbringing, a lot of it comes from um, sports or entertainment. or at the very least, the streets. Right? Agreed, agreed. We don't really see um, versions of black males being successful in positive lights. And so what that does is it reduces our th- thoughts of the opportunities that exist. 
listen, I was I was victim to the same thing. You know, I thought that the only way that I got through was through basketball. And graciously, you know, God gave me the God given abilities to do that. Yes. But I was I was I was programmed into this ideal that those were the only routes for me. And so when you do that, when you give a, a certain amount of people such a narrow uh, view of opportunities, yes. then they just start to make their own. And sometimes those are negative rather than positive. I agree. You know, earlier we were talking about um, to be aware is to be alive. And most people aren't aware because they're not alive, right? So by not being aware, they're not alive, right? I don't think most people are aware of what, how serious having a mentor is or having great uh, relationships with people that allow them to walk into their greater selves, right? Sometimes we get so caught up in what makes us comfortable that we don't focus on what should we should be around, making us uncomfortable so we can learn new things about ourselves. But I, I do believe what you said earlier based on the mentorship. You know, I, I think it's very prominent that these communities need more people stepping up, especially a quote-unquote OGs and older women and older men who are willing to be great examples for the youth, right? Absolutely, absolutely. In, in every culture outside of the black culture, you have a system of developing youth into adulthood that has a formulaized structure. You know, if you look at Judaism, you know, they use the bar mitzvah and bat, bat mitzvah as sort of that defining line into walking into adulthood. Agreed. Um, if you look at some of our Latino uh, cultures, they have uh, uh, the quinceanera, right? That adult walks a, a young lady into some of that adulthood. If you look at uh, us as a black diaspora, we don't have some of those common traits and systems that give us a clear definition of when we're grown. You know when a lot of us learn we're grown? When we found out that there was an electrical bill in our name um, and now we're required to pay for it. Now we're grown, right? And so because we don't have that clear definition, we get confused. And that's why mentorship is so important. And in my book, Unlocking the Greatness Within, I really want to talk about how we refuse that sense of mentorship into our communities by using the stories and examples and experiences from our own as adults and infusing that to our youth so that they can make better decisions for themselves. So question, as a man, when did you realize that you were a man? That's a great question. That's a great question. I think it was a process. It was a process of responsibilities. Um, I've always been the older child, right? And I've always been the tallest. Mm -hmm. So there was always certain responsibility that I was always assumed. But there was a threshold um, that I can really talk about in a really, really, really key moment right now okay. is when I was responsible for another person. Wow. And that's when I had my first child. Mm. And what happens with that is there's a manifestation over the course of your life that when a moment like that happens, you flip a switch and you realize it's really on. I agree. But it's through a process. I agree. And so I was ready for that. Uh, I mean, I'll take that back. Not everybody's ready to have a kid. But... I was ready for the responsibility that was laid upon me. And for me, that's when I really felt like I stepped into manhood officially. I agree. For me, I'm going to be honest with you. I always tell people, I would like to say I officially became a man about like 30. And they'd be like, why do you say that? I'm like, I didn't really know what it was to be a man, right? And we assume based on, like me and you were talking earlier, being born with certain organs make you a female or a male, right? It doesn't make you a man or a woman. That's learned uh, um, behavior, how to be a man and how to be a woman. It took me years to really understand the consistency of it. Right? And that's the one thing I was inconsistent about. One day I was this way. One day I was this way. One day I was this way. There was no consistency to wow I was bringing. I chose manhood and when to be a man when it benefited me. Mm, right? Mm. But when it was not beneficial, 
I really didn't care for it, right? And that was my dilemma growing up. But also, in my defense, I didn't have an example, but I'm not going to use that as an excuse. But in the same breath, it's harder to be something that you're not shown, right? That's like me learning how to speak Spanish when no one in my household spoke Spanish. And it's because it's foreign. And that's pretty much what happens with a lot of the young guys. They're foreign to fatherhood. And a lot of mothers are foreign to motherhood. So they're, they're basically doing what social media says parenting. And they're doing what social media says is fatherhood or motherhood, right? right. And that, that's, that was, I didn't say social media, but it was the examples of the environment. And a lot of men I was around were very evasive of it. Mm-hmm. Very evasive. But we also project some of our negative um, um, experiences that we've had as, as children, as parents. So some of those same limitations that we've kind of undergone, we, we, we sort of project that onto our kids. Agreed. Listen, I was a latchkey kid very early. I didn't know until I was in our 20s that that wasn't something that was like every kid's experience. Agreed. Right? It was every kid in my immediate place experience, but that wasn't what every 10 or 12-year-old was responsible for at that time. I so I think as a culture, we have to give our kids grace. They have to... Every other culture has an opportunity to grow up far longer than the black and brown community. I agree. When you're 18 years old, you're supposed to be able to act accordingly, be accordingly, and do adult things. However, not only we're not prepared, we're not, we're not emotionally ready to, to, to be regarded that way. So I think as adults, we have to make sure our kids have the ability to grow up and, and give them time. So as an African-American male, right? right? Would you say that we prepare our children to take on the next step in life or the next phase? Let me say this again. As an African-American male or just a man in general, do you think that we preparing our children to pretty much take the torch and take the family to the next levels or we're under-preparing them? I think we're under-preparing them. I think we're preparing them to try to survive, um, try to stay alive. And it's unfortunate that we do have to have certain conversations about survival interactions with law enforcement, things of that nature. But we aren't, we aren't preparing our youth to thrive. Agreed. And what I mean thrive is tomorrow's economy is built off critical thinking. Agreed. And if you don't have the ability to not just get information and retain it, but be able to apply it in ways that can be beneficial to yourself and community, then you're going to be left out. Yes. You know? There's a new AI coming out, ChatGBT, right? Okay. Our kids should be... Be, be, be in first in line to kind of understand what that technology has to hold. Agreed. Agreed. And I think if we have more analytical thinkers, we prepare our, our kids to be not just survivors, to be thrivers in the next community, next economy. I agree. You know, one of the, the one of the main issues I have with um, society in itself is we tell our children they're smart based on the fact that they can study and retain information for testing, right? So that's pretty much what the school system has become. Let me say that one more time. What I don't like about society in itself today is most kids are prepared just to take tests, right? So they're based on their intelligences, how much information can they retain? And I'm like, that don't necessarily mean you're smart. That means you just have a a good memory, right? There are tons of people who are doing well who don't have great memories, right? But they're able to apply the information that they know or they learn. Most people can't apply the information because there's not a lot of examples. So it's like you become like, indigenous to, to, to the world when you start stepping into different realms of economics or, or different understanding or different beliefs. So then you start, most people don't want to feel uncomfortable with not being normal, right? So like if you're, you're talking about being a millionaire when you're around people that's comfortable being thousandaires, you're going to look like, you know, this guy's very arrogant or he's very, he's weird, right? So most young people, I don't think they really 
understand the totality of the laboring and the work it takes to get to these levels. And, and I'm noticing that very, very vivid every day. I'm seeing it more and more and more, right? Even though we have the internet, which provides so many varied labels of, of exposure, our, our youth are still behind the curve with being personally exposed to, to multiple industries, experiences, and things that will help them be progressive moving forward. I agree. You know, um, we, we even talk about things like coding. You know, that's in the black American community, that's still something underrepresented for our kids to be learning and discussing and talking about. Yeah, we consume the information, but we don't know how ways to apply it. Yes. And so just like, a, you know, this chapter in my book that talks about how to take in energy or how to take in or manage the, 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 the consumption of things that are around you. And, and a lot of times we just talk about our diet, but we're not looking at the energies, the information, the knowledge that we're taking in and consuming. Agreed. If we're listening to some of these um, rap songs, I'm going to put it out there, or some of the social media tweets that really don't edify you or make or put anything good in you. So what's going to happen is your outcome is going to be negative. And so we have to be mindful of that. And I think what we have to do as adults is understand that we're a process of growing too. You're still out evolving. Mentorship is also a, is a dual learning process. The mentee learns and the mentor learns as well. Agreed. So I think that has to be reintroduced is how we start to really move this agenda. Because we keep seeing low expectations, but we keep expecting more. That's insanity. Yes. Without changing <clears throat> any, anything, any aspects about it. You know what I mean? And we, we were talking about that earlier, you know, with, um, even when talking about men, you know, the metric of what we are as men, the goalposts, let me say that one more time. You know, nowadays I've noticed that the metric of what a man is, the goalpost gets moved based on who is trying to benefit or who's, who, who wants it to accommodate them. Right. And I've noticed that myself, like the metric of even womanhood has been moved because it has to benefit me. If it don't benefit me, therefore, I, I don't want to hear it. And I'm like, how do you grow when you're not willing to hear? Right. So for me, what what is the metric or what do we consider our guaranteed requirements of manhood or, or, or being a mentor or being an example in society that people could look to like, wait, this is a good person or no one's perfect. Let's get that straight. So no one's sitting on this podcast saying we're perfect. Absolutely. Right? But we understand there's a certain level of requirements it takes to help move the culture forward, right? Would you agree with that statement? So I think I think you you lead that every day. You know, like in conversations that we have in the shop, you know, um, conversations that you have in, in everyday interactions and being consistent. Yeah. You do that every day by being a model and then leading into the, the practicing what you preach. You know, I had a conversation with one of my boys the other day, and it was kind of uncomfortable because it's about a growth point in where he is. And um, we had it, and I had to say some tough things that, you know, we built a relationship that he can take, and he came back with it. But afterwards, he says, you know what? You're the only one that could have said this. Right. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, it's not that we're just bros, but you lead a life that you can talk to me about this with fidelity, with authority, yes. because you have command over your own decisions. Agreed. And so, I would say a mentor doesn't have to be perfect, but we do have to identify with the ideals that we expect to hold for the people that we're working with. And that could be mentee as young as a, as a child, but as, 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 as old as a compatriot, as somebody that you, that, that's on your same level. So I just think it's got to be about consistency and, and, and really um, quality of character. You know, one day I was talking to a younger guy, and the one thing I say to them is let's normalize tough love, right? Tough love is not a bad thing, guys. You know, let me say this again. Tough love is not a bad thing. You know, let me say this one more time. Tough love is not a bad thing. 
You know, we villainize the people that give tough love. But tough love usually comes from a positive space if the person really loves you, right? So let's normalize telling people about themselves tastefully and respectfully, but also being honest, right? We tend to villainize the person that's honest. Like I'll give you a scenario, right? Let's say one of my guys is six foot tall. If I walk into a room and I yell at him at the top of my lungs, you're six foot tall. Most people wouldn't get mad if they're six foot tall. But in the same breath, if I go to a person and I yell at him, he's lazy. The same way I yelled at him that he's six foot tall, he would take it as insulting or disrespect. But in reality, he is lazy. How do you fix someone like that when society has told them, in a sense, the people that are like that? We What's the word? There's a word that I feel like they use all the time. It's called, um, uh, what is it called? When it comes to negative masculinity, but it's, it's, a, it's a phrase they use a lot. Toxic masculinity. You know, when, you, when, you, when you're serious about manhood and you're telling a, a person honesty, oh, that's toxic masculinity. I disagree with that statement. You know, and it's used. I think people learning some new words and new phrases, and they're using it out of context. Oh, yes. Just like the word. Um, For the culture. Yes. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, mental they, health is being used in various ways that it shouldn't be. True. I hear people call people um, narcissists, and they don't even know what it really means. <laughs> right? I listen to them call people. A person that's, that's, uh, uh, that believes highly of itself is not a, a narcissist. Right? That could be self-confidence. Right. So now we're going to take the word narcissist and put it in front of a self-confident. A self-confident person can be just very self-confident, right? But they say that's a narcissist because you lack the confidence. So it's like we have to really understand the words that we're using and stop just throwing them out there because it makes you sound very intellectual. But I also chime in. I, I think that one thing I do is I don't, I don't argue with folk, especially when we start <laughs> talking about things that you need to correct yourself in your own life. Agreed. Um, anybody, anybody above 25 has made decisions in their life that if they have to defend, that means that you need to look yourself in the mirror. So if we're having a conversation and we're talking about some of the outcomes and decisions that you made and you don't have the reality to be able to take a step back and look at it from a third person, then I need to stop talking because you're only going to get defensive. Yes. You have to because you've made decisions that suck and your life is, is detrimented by that. And now... Because I'm trying to uplift you, I'm trying to show you a different way, you have to defend against that as opposed to being open-minded. So I, I would suggest that we have open-minded conversations. And what that does is it allows us to talk up to each other in a way that doesn't, it's not a criticism. It's about me sharing either an experience that I have or something I've learned that you can learn from and implement in your life. Agreed. You know, one thing I will access, uh, bring up is um, a lot of people don't understand that social media can be mentorship. Right. And a lot of times people lenses is based on social media. Let me say that one more time. Social media could be a mentorship to a lot of people. A lot of people take social media to be wholeheartedly facts. Right. Yeah. So now you have a person who's very influential. That's the word. Because notice I am an influencer. What makes an influencer an influencer is one who can influence. Right. So if a person can influence minds, we have to be conscious of who we allow to influence us. For instance, you take the China with the TikTok thing. Right. Notice they don't even allow the same uh, content on their platforms in their country that they allow here, right? And also, me, me, uh, me, uh, me and someone I know personally, we were just reading an article on the fact that TikTok knows what and what not to make go viral. They do it on purpose, right? right? So now you see the maliciousness behind 
uh, retaining certain minds to only think a certain way, right? For me, the positive content won't go too far. But if me and Rashad was on here doing the the the, the, the stinky leg or or you know the dances, getting sturdy, you're getting sturdy, we'll be going crazy. But I'm like, but the fact that we're pushing a positive content, you tend to build a slower platform. But look, even that in itself is an example of a culture that's developed an application yes. that knows its negatives and protects its own youth from the same negative aspects of that of that same application. I agree 100%. Right? So that's still an example. Say that again. Say that again. That's an example of a culture developing an application in which they own and have control over and just giving us the fast food garbage version of it and keeping the, the nutrient version for themselves. Agreed. Right? Because... They want to protect their youth. And that's another example of how we have to have a combined ideal around how we invest in our greatest asset, and that's our youth. You want to hear something funny? Like, a lot of people always say to me, like, yo, Q, you, you respect women a lot. I come from a single mother, for those who don't know, right? One of my favorite, and I mean, by, I mean it's by far, anyone that knows me personally, one of my favorite uh, slave activists is Harriet Tubman. And the reason why I love Harriet is because this woman was so small but so tough. And, you know, she made her way to freedom, but her mindset was that I wasn't free until I freed everybody else, right? For someone to think like that when you've already made it to freedom says a lot about you. So Harriet was an amazing person for me. You know the one thing she's quoted saying that bothers me the most? She's quoted saying, I would have freed more slaves if they knew they were slaves. Mm -hmm. In this world right now, there are tons of people who don't know they're programmed psychologically as a slave, right? Because the system is what keeps them at a certain level and only allows them to get to a certain level. And then they don't allow certain people who are trying to buck the system or who's trying to clean up the system. They don't want them to, to get too far, right? When we bring the custodians in who's trying to clean up all the garbage, it's like, hold on, hold on, we're stopping them from doing their job. Let's not allow this because we would rather you keep pushing negative information, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. I think, I think to, to, to point your narrative, you know, all we did was transform from one level of slavery to another. Agreed. You know, we still have some of the low rates of home ownership that existed probably pre-Reconstruction. Agreed. We still have some of the um, most disadvantaged school districts in relation to public relation, uh, public education across the nation. Agreed. So there's not there's Don't get me wrong. There's a lot that's changed. But in, in the grand scheme of control, equity, and influence, there's not much that's changed. There's still 1% is still the 1%, right? And so I do think that we have to change the narrative by... Doing active, actively changing how our mindset is going back to you know a lot of what you preach and and, and and reprogramming the mindset. No pun intended, but definitely intended. Is that you have to look at how you're thinking first before you can actually have systemic change. And being certain to that's another reason why I wanted to put um, this book forth is that mentoring has to exist within several different organizations within the Black community. Should be in the schools, should be in our religious organizations, and should be in our community um, centers and organizations. Why? Because it's necessary to re to in intentionally reintroduce this necessary piece of how our black and brown communities were educated so that we get back to the prominence that we once had. You know, you know, even all the three things you just named, right? The sad part is, you know, it's all business, right? So with them, it's, even, it's all about business. School system is a business, right? You know, I hate to say this, religious and, and, and churches and my, they're, they're, they're business. You know, all of these places have become business, not things, not places where people should be enlightened, but more so focused on the business. And I don't want to look at a human as just business. And it's bad that the, this country definitely does that. We look at people as just a business and it doesn't matter. Even numbers, right, when it comes to education. 
you see that they allow only per certain people to get to certain. There's certain environments that only allow people to believe they can only go to certain levels. Mm -hmm. So that's basically like a caste system in a sense, right? And it's sad because when you really evaluate it, you have a lot of people who have the they ha they have the abilities when you sit down and observe them, but when you talk to them, they don't believe that it's even possible, right? And I, I deal with a lot of people like that. They don't have. It's like this. They're hopeless. Right, and I'm and I'm like, yo, why are you so hopeless? It's because nothing's around them is showing them that it's possible. You know, I was I was reading a book the other day, and it talked about research that was done on fruit flies. And what you do is, if you have a plastic covering over of a cup, and you have a number of fruit flies, you know they're only going to raise to the pot to, to, to the limit of of where they can fly. Makes but sense. If, but if we remove that that plastic film, not only does the fruit flies that were originally there not fly above it, excuse me. The offspring of the fruit flies that were originally in the cup don't fly above where the plastic existed. Well, so, that, so that means instinctually we can teach ourselves limitations that don't exist. Wow. Right? We can, we can, we can inherently as parents, as adults, as, as a community leaders, show people or intentionally, unintentionally limit people's abilities by the words we use, the actions that we phrase, and the mindsets that we already have. Agreed. So that in itself is powerful enough for us to know that we have to look at different ways to empower our, our community. You ever seen, a, you ever seen a, um, the video of the, the, I think it was an ant, and they drew the circle, and they kept getting smaller and smaller with the circle, and as they got smaller with the circle, the ant didn't go no further. It's the same scenario. When you look at the ant, he only believes that he can, if you draw a big circle, the ant will go all around that circle, right? But as you made the circle smaller, and that's the same thing a lot of the, the deprived environments are, right? They're drawing a circle smaller and smaller, only basically funneling people into certain env environments, even school systems, right? It's bad when you see that people potentially can go so much further, but the school system is not even really pushing them to become their better selves, right? I don't want no, I understand that I respect the no child left behind thing, but I think it's, it's a gift and a curse. Right. No, that was always that was all a whole way of curse. It's a curse. It, okay, it, you it, said it. Yeah, and now social promotion. Um, it made people um who were not supposed to be in, in reading levels that they were not supported. Yes, um, it, it caused generational curses. We we can go into a whole different subject to that, but it was one of the most terrible policies that helped uh, held the black educational system down in the last twenty years. That's I agree because you know what it is like even like um dealing with a lot of youth. I'll meet a kid from a, a area that's quote unquote prominently better. And then I'll deal with a kid that's come from an area that's economically deprived. When you listen to them educationally, the kid that's that's economically better in a better situation, I live in a better community. He could be a ninth grader. When you listen to him, and then you listen to the twelfth grader, it's like day and night, bro. And I'm like, wow. And it's so vivid. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. At one point, I was the ant that was in that circle, right? So me personally, I didn't see how big the circle was because. It was normal. And as you normalize certain behaviors and certain thinking, that's who you become, right? So let me ask you a question. Okay. What was the process for you getting out of that limited circle of thinking that you were in? Exposure. My favorite phrase is exposure leads to expansion. The mind won't expose. If the mind isn't exposed, the mind won't expand. I say that all the time. Let me say that one more time. You know, in my mind, I always say exposure leads to expansion. The mind is, if the mind isn't exposed, the mind won't expand. And most people aren't exposed. If you're not exposed to success, what will make you believe that you can be successful, right? When you look at your children, they have a, they're blessed to have two parents that actually love each other and willing to work every day, even though they have problems at times, but work together. 
and that becomes a normal for a child to see that, right? They say that more children that come from marriage tend to want to be married, right? So if you notice the numbers of, of marriage is going down, right? Would you say that also single parents are more ri rising, right? So basically, if marriage is going down and single parents is rising, it only makes sense. So it's like the the it's abnormal to someone that it took me years to understand and value and respect marriage because I didn't come from it, right? I didn't have a understanding of it. I didn't. I was like, yo, that's that's whack, right? But now I understand. I remember I used to laugh at guys who would call their wives and say stuff like, yo, babe, I'm running a little late. I'm at the bar with you. I used to be like, yo, she got a she got you whipped. But now looking back, it's like that's not whipped. That's respect, right? But it took me years of being exposed to being around married men. To understand the difference of, I know some very alpha men who will call a wife and be like, babe, I'm running late. I'm going to see you in a little while. Why? Because it's just a respect thing. She has to worry about the children. He's just letting her know what he's, what he's doing. And it's just what it is. And vice versa, she does it for him. But when you're not exposed to these things, you don't know. So the mind has to be exposed. And that's really what it is. Exposing those kids in those environments like, yo, I'll show you that there's successful people that come from your environment. The one thing I always say to you that I don't like is when you have people that come from certain environments, they always boast about how they come from their environments, but they don't go back to those environments to show face, right? It's one thing to have a guy looking you in your face like, yo, I'm from that bad neighborhood just like you, but yet and still has never shown face. But then they're talking about helping or being a great person from that community. These children don't see these people. The one thing I will say about my guy right here right now, he goes back to his old community. He definitely always wants to get back. So when I say that, I always tell him, you know, when we have certain conversations, I'm like, be mindful that you're not everybody, right? Because you do care about your old community, right? Even though you don't physically live there, you still physically live there because your presence is still on me, right? It's still there. And the way I say that is because you're setting up things to help the youth. So even like God, they say that God doesn't, I don't physically see him, but I know he's present. So if you're setting up things in that community, that means you're still present, right? And that's one thing I will say. Again, let me give you a round of applause for that. Appreciate you, King. Appreciate you. And yeah, the work that we try to do with my nonprofit team, Create Fall Rock Strong, is really to empower um, through youth sports and through youth initiative and youth engagement, Agreed. to empower our community and make our community whole. And the reason why I really feel passionate about it is because it's an organization that's from Far Rockaway, from Far Rockaway. Mm -hmm. And if you know some of the demographics, you know, there's a there's a huge swath that lives in the peninsula. And we have um, members and representation and youth from up and down, every class and every uh, sort of neighborhood. So I appreciate you for highlighting that. And that's sort of what mentoring is, right? Like, we kind of continue to think that mentorship only exists between sort of like kid to adult. But I, I have mentors right now, right? You know, um, in our conversations, our conversations are mentorship conversations, right? Because there's a lot that I take away from us and our discussions that we agreed, have. Agreed, agreed. And, and, and I think we have to get back to that sense of learning as community, right? Because yes. we got away from that. We are from a, a, <coughs> a culture that used to be educated in tribal, less. Yes, we used to sit around and share our stories and experiences, and those were the real structure of how education even got built, right, if you kind of really go back. And so I think that's where a, a real power comes from our community and that we really need to tap back into is not just living our lives, but living our lives intentional and intentionally modeling positivity for our youth behind us so that they can take the, the, the torch and run with it.
And that, and that's true. See, you, you know, like, look, when you, when you, when, when I look back, right, a lot of the young guys growing up with me that got, in, like, let's say incarceration, right? Let's use it. Let's use up incarcerate, incarceration. Let's bring it up. And the reason why I want to talk about it is because there are tons of guys who are overly sentenced, right? At one point, we have to be honest, there are people who are glorifying being an incarcerated to a multitude of people to the point where it became like, like, and it's like a PhD. It was advertised. Yes. Like, that don't even say, it was marketed yes, for yes, us to go to jail. Yes. It Let me say that rap, again. Through music, yes, through, through yes, film. Yes. We were advertised yes. to go in and do a bid. Yes. So when you look back, right, from 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 certain environments, it was like glorified to go to prison to the point where tons of people indulged in it, right? Because of the fact that you were glorified by having, quote unquote, this strike. Right? By having a strike against you in this country, you tend to have it harder now, right? But then you become the adult looking for employment, looking to, to, to take care of your children. Knowing that strike just made it even harder for you. But a lot of communities tend to brag about, like, yo, I just did 15 years. Can I, can I get expound on that point a little bit? I just, I just had an epiphany. You know, going to jail has been the black culture's rite of passage. You know, for a long time, you wasn't stamped official until you did something illegal enough Agreed. to get you locked up. Agreed. So now that I'm thinking about it, without us having our own rite of passage, we were given one. Yes. You go to jail, you get a rap sheet, then you come out and you got a little bit of respect. Which is crazy when you really evaluate that. Wow. And you know, like, like I, I'm, I'm guilty because at one point in my mind, I thought that was lit. Right? The big homie was the, not the, big, the guy that made it out the neighborhood and did better with his life. The big homie was the guy that went to jail, came home, and lived on his mother's couch. You know, and that's the truth. We know they came home, and, and these are the guys that we respected because of the fact that they showed that they can go behind a prison wall, right, where there's tons of mental illness, tons of trauma, tons of uh, unexposed, un let me say the word, unexposed uh, wounds, right? Let me say that one more time, and I want you to get this. You know, when you when you look at, Prison, right? Is a when you when you look at prison, it is a, is a multitude of of uh, uh, mental trauma, mental illness, unexposed wounds that a lot of people are, are living within these places, right? So their only way of expressing themselves is through violence, right? So now they're glorified by how violent they are, right? It's gladiator school in a sense, and this is sad because in most cases, when you really evaluate those places, the only people that these people hurt is people that look just like them. And then they're glorified based on how many people they cut, shot, steal, and robbed, right? Rather than, you know, how much of a, you put your family in a better position. And it's sad because not seeing your children are only suffering even more with losing you, right? And it's sad because that's what we're taught to the point where it's become indoctrinated in our brain. You know, we used to, you know, going back again um, to a tribal sense, there was a rite of passage that, you know, a young man would go into the jungle. Um, or the wilderness, if you will. And even biblical times, there were times where you mentioned going into the wilderness. And that was a time where you tested yourself. You tested yourself against challenges, some of the things seen and unseen. And you 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 came through that challenge different and changed. Yes. And, and as you keep talking about it, all we've adopted in this prison industrial complex is adopting that into our culture. Yes. Like that's our challenge. Yes. Like that's our Spartan race to kind of get through. And then at the end, we have a gold necklace on our uh, on on our neck that says that we've accomplished what well, you what you saying is true what that, you saying crazy, is true though. That's, that's, but that's, but that's to, to go back to shackles is crazy right 
literally to get removed from shackles, to go back to shackles, but not only to go back to shackles, it's to allow them to put mental shackles on you now, right? So not, um, not, if I can't o- oppress you and put you into the criminal justice system, I'm going to put you into the mental industrial system, right? And that's what they do. And, and, and I hate to say it, it's the powers that be. This is not a black, white, blue, green thing. I've met black people who are definitely, they're definitely slave plantation drivers. And they, and they look for people to benefit off of, right? I've seen black people take advantage of each other. I've seen whites take advantage of each other. So I'm not saying it's a black or white thing or a right. Spanish thing. This can be anyone, right? And this is just a conversation. But it's, it's bad when you really have these discussions because I, I meet a lot of young guys Right right now, even from a biblical standpoint, the Bible says if a man don't work, a man don't eat, right? right. To the point where a lot of the young men don't even want to work. Yeah. And a lot of these young brothers are looking for women to live off of and take advantage of. And I, I'm wondering, was this mentored to them? Was this taught to them? Right? Well, I think it's, 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 it comes from an expectation from going from a child and into a man with the gray area and not having that transitory experience. So what happens is you look for what you're used to. You look for somebody to provide you shelter, clean your clothes, and make you food. Yes. Um, and so that that's where I think it more relies on because you got to think, if you've never gone through the wilderness, you haven't built up those self-sufficient skills to say, I need to take charge. I need to own up. I need to do this. I agree. So I do think you see a prominence of, you know, of, of grown young people because they haven't had to be tested to be on their own. I agree. You know, they they've just moved from their mom's house to their girl's house, and their name's not on the lease, so it's the same. Now, what you're saying is true, but I want you to say that again. I say you move from your mom's house to your girl's house, and your name's still not on the lease, so that means you're just a grown up youngin. But you know, you know, like we were talking about earlier, when you have these conversations with these people, and you expose them to a harsh reality of of not what's not manly. What happens is they'll find someone that will co-sign it, right? They went to the car dealership. They tried to buy the car. They realized they couldn't. They went out and find somebody to co-sign their sickness. And that's what a lot of people do. Rather than listening to the words, they're like, you know what? I'm going to find somebody that's going to co-sign my sickness. And what the sickness is, is thinking that you're an alpha male living off of somebody else. That doesn't even make sense, right? You didn't even lead yourself to nothing, but you think that you're an alpha male. Let me say this before we move any further, bro. And I, and I hate to, to be the bearer of bad news. For my men that keep saying that these women do not want to submit and listen to them, a woman will never submit to a guy that she does not seem to deem worthy of being led by, right? Women are not that slow at all. At all. They're very intelligent creatures, right? A woman knows who is who. She know what, the, what you are. So a woman that doesn't allow you to lead is because she don't see you as that person. So the times we get mad at those things, and they say the woman won't let, they're not submissive. I hate to say this, and I don't want to say arrogant. I've never had that problem in my life. I've never had that problem. And the reason why is because I don't have to tell a woman I'm an alpha male. I'll lead by example. And her, my example will make her feel comfortable to follow suit, right? But a lot of these guys, they have to stand up to a woman and poke out their chest. Let me go on record and say this, guys. I want to say this. Men don't stand there and go to toe-to-toe with no woman arguing for no two hours. That ain't no masculine thing. And I don't want to emasculate no man or make a man feel away. But anyone that's taught you that, chances are, I hate to say this, is a woman. And the guys that learned that behavior, you learned that behavior from a female, right? Because we know that women have a power and a gift is their mouth, their tongue. They can talk, right? So if a man is standing there for three hours arguing with a woman, it says more about him than anything. 
It says that he hasn't walked into his manhood. A man says it's peace and you get it moving. You say how you feel and that's that. You don't have to go. <laughs> Y'all seen some dudes sweat with the vein in their forehead, right? For sure. The, the vein. Right. Well, Screaming. Well, well, that's also something that's taught too. You know, it's being married for five years and counting myself. Yes. Um, it's a work in progress. It's always, it's, it's, it's an iterative progress. I had, to, I had to learn that word through Google. And that means that it continues to continue to manifest itself. It continues to grow. Yes. And one thing I would say is, you know, nine times out of ten, you haven't been modeled an effective relationship. Agreed. Nine of my, if I had ten of my friends in a line, I would say nine of them don't know what a successful, positive working relationship looks like just because we don't really come from that. Even our two family homes have our issues. So I do think that we need to be more intentional in talking about and being in couple therapy. Agreed. Mediations, Agreed. But also like how you talk. Sometimes we talk about our own relationships and our own faults and the things that we kind of need to tighten up on. And I think that helps, you know, it as well. You, you know, you know, you know what I say right now though, we're, we're though I think the number one sickness is, Two, there's two sicknesses that I see that's going on right now, and it's very prominent. One is insanity. I think most people are medically diagnosed with it. They're insane. You know, let's 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 define yeah, insanity. Define again, define you know, let's define insanity. Doing the same thing every day, but expecting a different outcome. A different outcome. Secondly, I think most people aren't medically diagnosed with. Take a wild guess. I think is insecurity. I think a lot of people are very insecure. And why I say insecure is because of how they treat others. Has right? that been projecting on us, though? I think point? it is. We've been given a lot of reasoning. Like, like for instance, if you didn't, from a kid, we, I think me and you spoke about this. If they didn't have the Jordans and the expensive shoes, they always felt like they was not like accepted. Right. So even though you could have had no food in your fridge, you could have had no furniture, you could have had like nothing, but as long as you had on the expensive look. Correct. And it became your natural consistency thing now, right? Every time I'm outside, I look fresh, I look clean, I'm right. good. And that was its own work, like in one yes. school. But think about having the internet at that time. How would that, and I could just, I'm just trying to think about it. That would automatically make me more self-conscious just on the fact that I know so many more eyes had, had you know, so many eyes seen me. You know, like when I just had to just deal with my grade, I was good. Yes, know? yes. Because everything you're detailing, I think I've I've been through that. Yes. Right? Especially as being through tall and growing through clothes halfway through the years. Yes. You know, it happens. But I can't imagine what it would have been like going through that with social media. Uh, it would have been harder because, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. There's trolls out here, bro. People troll. And they tease people who don't even know any better with certain things, right? I find it very disheartening that a person will laugh at a person born with a disability, whether it's mentally, whether it's physically, right? There are people who are born with mental disabilities, meaning their learning levels are less right. prominent than some others, right? But yet still to expose that and to laugh about that, I find that disheartening because I doubt that person wished they were born like that. But they're working through it and not making an excuse about it, so you have to respect that. There was a story, I want to say this, and I think it was the best thing that ever happened to me. When I was a kid, right, my mother's been working with a company for autism for a very long time. So me, I grew around autism. I'm very comfortable with autistic people. Like for me, it don't bother me. I can kind of see it from a mile away because I've been around it so long. I've been around it like 28, 30 years, right? So more than most of my life, I've been around autism to the point where even one of my family uh, sons, I saw it. It was the fluttering, the things he was doing. I was like, 
I said, I think you should get him checked. He said, what do you mean? I said, he might have autism. It might, you know, as we know, it's mild, moderate, and it's very severe. It's a spectrum. There's a spectrum. So people don't understand it doesn't have to be, the person don't have to be severe. It could be very mild. And, and when I said it to him, he took it so personal. And I said, I'm going to tell you something. It's better to you acknowledge the truth so you can work on the truth than live in a lie. And this child suffers because of the fact that the dad wasn't mature enough to handle the truth, right? So he, he didn't want to hear it at first. He cursed at me, left. A couple weeks later, he called me and he was like, yeah, I need to talk to you. And I was like, what's going on? In mine, I always saw myself as his OG or his big bro. So I said, um, what's up? He said, yo, you know, they diagnosed my son with autism. You know, they, he's like, you know, it's a very, very, very mild case. But, you know, you try to, I said, doesn't matter. Right. I said, if we want to get him to the point where he can live a normal life, with right? full potential. When it says full potential. I said, we have to acknowledge what's wrong and we have to work on it. You can get him to help. And now you fast forward, his son works a full-time job. He's graduating school. He's doing everything as a normal child because his dad was willing to accept the realities. I will hate to say this, and I'm going to say this, and I want you to get this, and no one take this personal. I think most people, when you find out something is wrong with the child, right, hold on. I think most people, when you find out something is wrong with your child, the first thing you do is go on a, a sense of denial. You don't want to acknowledge that there's something wrong. You know, tons of us yell at our children and, and, and very verbally abusive to our children for the lack of ability in school when a lot of them do have mental disabilities. And I think that in my culture, in your culture, it's been very uh, kicked under the rug in a sense to the point where people wouldn't acknowledge it, to the point where you seeing children are disruptive and you think that he has a behavioral problem, but it could be because of the fact that they can't do the work. Well, I will say, like, we made a lot of advancements in the last, uh, I would say, 30 years in yes. the realm of special education and re really being able to meet students' needs and having diagnosed with, you know, the learning disabilities that's that's catered to them. Because a lot of times you get painted with a broad brush. You know, I used to go to school and you would just get put into the six-to-one-to-one six to one to class or or the class in the basement. Yes. And, and, and that was it's just it. But now we're understanding that. Kids learn different modalities. Um, kids, certain, certain kids are, are better with textile. Some kids are better visual, some auditory. So we have to take that in consideration. I, I think agree. there's been a lot done to that. Going back to some of what you're talking about as far as people not recognizing when they are a special need, I think that goes back into gratitude. Yes. Right? I think that us as a people don't really understand and teach our gratitude in the way we need to to progress. Yes. And that's not to say like, we have to continue to take the road of always being persecuted. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying being gracious for where you are because it's only then that you can kind of get to a, a, another level, right? Or accept somebody for their shortcomings or their disabilities if you're gracious in your own self. And I think we have to teach that more in our kids, you know, in, in, in my youth, specifically with my kids, my, my direct kids, I, I, leave, I like to take them in different areas because um, a lot of times people say, oh, yeah, just take your kids to the yachts and, and see the funny, you know, the, you know, the mansions, right? Because that aspires them to where they want to be. But they have to be in relation. So they have to see where disadvantage looks like as well. And, yes. and, and from there, they can have a better sense of what graciousness looks like. And once yes. you can do that, then I think you can really better accept somebody who may not have the same abilities as you. And, and then we can kind of get stronger as a community. But I do think we've been painted with a broad brush with mental health and learning disabilities as a mm -hmm, community, mm -hmm. and we've internalized that. Instead, we need to get more educated on how to support our youth. This, uh, this I agree. You know, um, 
you know, when you, today's society is just very, a lot of things is things that we never knew, right? You know, because like you said, it was just what it was, right? We all had that special uh, needs cousin or, or sibling or somebody that was close to us. And we just said they were slow. Right. Not looking at it as slow, but understanding what it was. Correct. The one thing I do love about, like, say, your daughter and my son's generation, they're more receptive, even though it's more of a bullying generation, but they're more receptive of people's differences. Mm. And I want to say that again. The one thing I, I will, and, and me being honest, and I've learned, I'm learning this even from my son, right? Nate, where you at, Nate? Look, take a peek in here real quick. You know, like, even I want you to see your dad saying this. This is my oldest son, right? The one thing I love about my son's generation and, and my guy Rashad's daughter's generation is they're very understanding of people's differences. And I love that about even my son. He makes me think more outside of my box because he's very accepting of people's differences. And coming from a certain background in life, you tend to only think a certain way. But having new energy around you opens your mind to think even better. Another thing I like to say is that uh, there's a guy I hang out with a lot. His name is Kinsey. His girlfriend is one of the most, I will say, she's raised my awareness about a lot of different things that the world generalized so much, and I didn't understand it. She's given me more understanding of a lot of different things. Like, they're especially like, guys, I want to say this on record, and this is not no, no shade and no jabs. A lot of guys are learning up new about the new non-binary, the 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 LBs, you know, the, the these community. We don't know these communities. We're learning these things, so y'all have to be kind of understanding also that it's new to us also. Right, right, right. right. So right. it's not like there's no intent. I'll give you a scenario that happened to me the other night, and I'm gonna say this. So I was at my club. There was two guys, right, transgender guys, and me initially in my mind. I didn't even know. One of my guys told me that you can't say the word uh, transvestite. I, I just found that out. I never knew that. That's derogatory. Yeah, but I never knew. No, I didn't know either until, you know, maybe like two months ago. See, I just found out the <laughs> same time as you. So, like, and I was like, sometimes it's the things that we don't talk about. We, 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 we get scrutinized for not knowing. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, we have to understand these things. But anyway, they were two trans, um, transgender guys. Yes. They were using the women. Um, the, they wanted to use a woman's restroom. I came over, I said, what do you guys want to do? I naturally say the word guys. I, I wasn't being funny. But they didn't identify that as their pronouns. And they got mad at me. Yeah. And I said, I apologize. This is not my objective. Right. But I'm just trying to say the right thing. Correct. Anyway, I said, what do you want to do? They said they want to use the woman's room. When I knocked on the woman's room and I said, what is the problem? The women didn't want them in there. Yes. Right? So it's not my problem, but I'm like, let me try to resolve the issue. Well, I'll take this to several different ways, yeah. right? Federally, then I'll talk about it as brothers. See, I, I know it from the like, business standpoint. Yeah, you gotta I understand it. Yeah, you gotta have a single sex room now. Yes. As, as things are moving, yes. you gotta have that one room that's just single stall. Yes. One person going there because you have to respect all identities. That's how I felt. But you know, when 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 the, what I'm trying to get at is they were basically trying to belittle my lack of understanding of it. Mm. And I'm like, it's kind of sad that you're trying to make it seem like I feel a way about 
your sexual preference mm. and what makes you feel comfortable with living life? That's a call-out generation. That's a separate episode. Yes. Because what that is is trying to call somebody out yes. on something, even if it doesn't, they don't, not given a chance to kind of understand, learn, or be appropriate about the situation. And that is a problem that we have with um, some of the outing of some of the sexual transgressions of men. We, we can go into that, right? Yes. That's some of the rep, rep, repercussions of that. So yes. I do think that socially we've used that as a form of bullying, and we got to tail that back because you have to allow somebody to learn. But I, I do want to go back to you bringing back your kids because I've learned so much. This is why I think connecting with young people is vital. It's vital. As technology advances, the gap between us understanding what's socially accepted and not widens, right? Yes. What you just said happens because I think social media. Agreed. Right? Agreed. The, the aspect of LGBTQI has really benefited from understanding everybody's story as it comes in small pockets. And do, do, you know, do you know what every letter stands for? Um, I genuinely don't. And I'm not I being funny. It's queer and then it's, um, I don't know what the I is for. The I. I'm a, I'm, I want to learn because I, I want to have respect. Honest. Right? I think somebody in the, in the audience. What is it? Transgender. Thank you. I didn't even know that. See, but that's that's what I love about your told you your generation. You guys, that's why he even what your dad is saying. We we're learning, right? Because this is not what we grew up knowing. So therefore, you guys are growing up knowing these things. We have to learn it, right? So like even my son, I told me keep me relevant. So I can understand certain things. That's how communities gather. Like, yeah, yes. we haven't realized that young people are a resource, right? Yes. And every other culture that advances, specifically that comes over here in American advances, understands that. They power them. They tutor them. They give them special sports. They make sure that they're kind of connected so that when they do have the ability to benefit and grow in, in community, what do they do? They're working. They're, they're, they're working for the family business. Yes. They're, they're perpetuating what it is yes. that they've given mentorship. They've been given a structure of how to be successful. And that's what we need to kind of make sure that we have in our communities. I agree. So, like, when you see, like, like, like one thing you, you, we've talked about earlier today is um, pretty much pillars and staples, right? We need, we need pillars of our communities and we need staples. You know, one thing I love about growing up as a barber, I, I would like to view myself as a staple in the community. And the reason why I say it is because I try to keep it together, you know, and um, I also try to, I, I put people next to people that need to know certain people because it's like the networking aspect of this environment is a plus. One of the guys came into my shop today and said, the one thing he loves about my shop is every time you come here is the consistency of the conversations, right? right? One thing I make sure I force is the positive conversation. The reason why I force the positive conversation is because we're doing something called reinforcement. In order to, to, to teach your mind how to navigate around negativity, you have to always continuously talk about positivity. That's how you navigate around negativity. But we were taught to entertain the negativity, but still think we're going to be positive, right? You don't think that by entertaining some of the negativity, some of that's going to spill over on you a little bit, right? Right. I think it's important that you intentionally force the conversation, right? Because yeah. in, in many cases, we can casually have it, but... When you intentionally know that you're going to go someplace. There's times I come to the shop and I don't even get a cut. right? Because yes. I know that we're about to talk about something or I could discuss something that I'm, I'm thinking of. Agreed. And I'll get a different perspective. 
that needs to exist in not just in pockets of where we live, but totally. in general conversation. Yes. And so that's what I want to help spark. I think our adults have have been somewhat distanced from my youth, and not in the sense of um, proximity, because yes. they all live in the same house, but maybe in the form of device, right? Maybe when they pick these things up, we get further detached from them and we don't understand their language, but it's closer than we think. So that's why in each of my chapters, I have discussion cha- discussion questions at the each, uh, at the each uh, end of each chapter, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And what that does is it's not just to drive conversation with youth or the people around you. It's to drive conversation with yourself. We're in perpetual development. And if we don't understand that, then we kind of need a guide to help us get through it. I agree. You know, but um, what does a guy look like, right? What does it look like? I'm just asking you. Like, what are, what are, what are like, um, you know, what, like, you know, even growing up, I, I've noticed that we used to tease the people that talked the positive. The more positive you spoke, the worse you were. Common Sense was one of the rap, wackish rappers in my coming yeah. up. <laughs> you, know, you know what's weird, though? It's, it's, it's weird because I always say to myself, and um, I look at myself as a student in the classroom, right? I was that student. I want to say this one more time. And if, you, if most of you on my live, if this was you, please raise your hand. I was a student in the classroom who was always fearful of showing how intelligent I was. Yeah. And I was always scared to show how knowledgeable I am and, and how much I'm enticed by education and learning, right? I didn't want to show that. One, I was a big black male in a bad area. So being a big black male in a bad area, I was looked at as supposed to be in a, a big black bad kid in a bad area. And if I didn't behave like that, I wasn't looked at as respect, right? So it's like when you really evaluate it, I want that kid that's going through that same experience I'm having to feel comfortable to say, yeah, I'm a big black kid in a bad area, but I don't have to be that big black bad kid in that bad area, right? And this is where I want to show them that's why I said the word insecurity. Right. I was insecure because I was more so captivated by what everyone in that room thought opposed to what I thought. But if you had the support, if somebody would have supported you for being smart and not just big, then you might have. You might have seen yourself. Agreed. Agreed. If somebody might have said, hey, I'm going to empower you in your mind instead of just bring you around because you're one of the biggest, baddest mofos out here and you're going to look good in my crew. Yeah. You might have been encouraged to do that. And so that's why I kind of want to get back. I, I definitely want to make sure that I have more conversation about this book because it's about unlocking the greatness within. Okay. All of our youth, all of us have greatness within us. Yes. Unfortunately, sometimes we have to hearten that greatness. We have to hearten our exterior because we are living in situations that force us to. And what it does, it locks us away from obtaining our full potential. Agreed. It puts us in places where we think that we don't deserve to do more and expect more for ourselves. Agreed. And so that's why I want our adults, and I, most importantly, I want our youth to know that there's possibilities that exist beyond what they currently see. And this is what we, we have to do, expose them, right? You know, there's a, there's a saying, I know, and you remember this, because you my generation. Remember when May said, I wish you could take kids from high class levels and show them what, a, what Christmas, Christmas is like, like growing up in the ghetto? ghetto? Let me say that again. Say it with me, though. It says, I want to take kids from high class levels and show them what Christmas looked like growing up in the ghetto. And why is that? It's because he wants to show them that there, there's another way of life, right? Pretty much you take a coin, there are two sides of the spectrum, right? And showing them that you can have more. But, you know, for a child that doesn't see that or understand that, they tend to become what they're around. 
you know, and 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 there's a guy I'm challenging right now that um that works in one of my stores, and we're we're we're, we're fighting it every day because I see the wanting to change, but I can see that once he goes right back to the environments, he goes right back into his ways. It reinforces the the, the expectations you have yourself. And yes, yes. Unfortunately, you got to change your mindset by changing your proximity. Agreed. And that's why I think. You know, we always talk about the conversation above and beyond 25, but I think everybody's still a life learner. You just have to understand that you had to change your mindset first, and you have to be around those people that confidently support you. Um, and so that's why I want to, you know, to your community, I want to make sure that they have access. I'll be doing a monthly newsletter. Okay. Um, so if you do sign up to my website, www.prolificconsultingservices, that's Prolific Consulting Services. You can sign up and you'll get a newsletter that'll discuss tips, trip, uh, tips, activities, and lessons that'll, have, that'll start these conversations around not just engaging with our youth, but making sure that we, we're, we're ourselves growing and making sure that we're more impactful in our communities. I like that. You know, but you know, you know, the one thing I want to say before we get out of here today, right, is guys, in order to change the world, we got to be the examples, right? And we got to stop talking about what's bad in the world and start seeing that we have to be better examples, right? Before we start keep constantly talking about the negatives that's in the world, let's start working on being examples, right? When, today, I, I told uh, um, you here right now, I told your dad, you're my niece. He didn't tell me that. I said, that's just how I was raised, right? And my son is his nephew. That's how I was raised. You know, it takes a village, and your dad understands that. So if I see you bugging out, I'm going to say something. So be prepared for that, right? I expect it. And if I see a boy, I'm going to run him away. I expect it. Okay. So just understanding where we where we we trying to bring back the essence. See, your dad and I grew up in a generation and your grandmother, which is and your grandmother from your mom and your dad's side, they grew up in an era where it was all about village. We need to bring back that mentality. I've noticed that the village mentality has been pushed aside, meaning we won't we mind our business too much. I'm not telling you guys to go up to these kids who play with guns and try to play mediator. No, do not do that. Don't, do not do that. You might it, die. It will not turn out good for you. No, it won't. No. Right? Are we talking about little life problems that kids have? I've noticed that I've taken tons of young guys and pulled them one-on-one, and nine out of ten times, they don't want to fight. Yep. But what made them want to fight out of the nine out of ten times group. is the group. group. Yes. And I've noticed that once you remove the aggression, the aggression is not the two of them. The aggression is the crowd. That's what's igniting the fire. So what happens in life, guys, is we don't remove ourselves from certain energy. We become the energy. Right? And I want you to say something before we get out of here. Guys, make sure you check out my guy book too. Right? Appreciate you. Appreciate you. I I just appreciate you for always inviting me to this conversation. Listen. I want to welcome your community um, to my website. Um, they can get a free excerpt of my book. Um, and also they'll be included into a newsletter. And if you do email me um, as special uh, correspondence to your group and to your community, um, I will, if you email me, cue the boss. I'll give you a twenty percent discount on the release of the book because I want I'm, I want this, uh, everybody to have it, um, and I also send the ebook version of the book to you absolutely for free because we got to make sure this message is prevalent. Thank you. See, guys, look. At the end of the day, what we have to understand is we need to create more mentorship. We need to create it in volume, you know, right? Because there are tons of people who are doing well economically, who are doing well mentally. Let's say that too, not just about economics. There are people that are happy. And your happiness can rub off on somebody else. Sometimes we just look at economics. That is not the whole totality of everything. He might have a family structure that someone needs to see, right? Seeing that me and my wife do disagree, but yet and still we work it out. 
and we build together, right? More people need to see these things and not only see that everything is always perfect. But guys, till next time, you know what we're going to say? Don't let that go over your head and tune in. Catch us on all major platforms at Don't Let That Go Over Your Head podcast. And also follow my guy on Instagram at PCS Unlimited. Oh, excuse me. Instagram at PCS Unlimited. Thank you. And do me a favor. Till next time, don't let that go over your head.